Welcome to Talking TRM, the Travel Risk Management Podcast. I'm Bex Debman and I'm an independent consultant specialising in ISO 31030. During my transition from corporate travel to travel risk, I've met some incredible individuals driving travel risk management forward with passion and expertise. On this podcast, I'm going to chat with them about their stories and hopefully inspire our listeners to start their own travel risk management journey. Hello and welcome to another episode of Talking TRM. As always, I'm beside myself with excitement because as everyone who's beginning to listen to these podcasts know, it's not just about speaking to experts. It's me speaking to some people that I am either friends with or I admire and I've had relationships with over the last few years. Um, And certainly our guest today uh, is one of those. I've known her for such a long time. We don't talk years because we're ladies and we don't talk about (laughs) things like that. Um, but I'm going to be introducing Carol Fergus from Fidelity, but actually introducing Carol Fergus as herself, because I think that's important. Um, and we were just talking offline, as I do with my guests, about you know where we met. And, and we met when we were both working for different organisations quite a long time ago. But actually, the memory we both share is coming back from a Singapore Airlines event at Heathrow. And we were on the Piccadilly line I think together so it was a really long journey back into London and we just basically just talked about kind of wanting to put the world to rights you know you started talking about your passions around DEI and wanting to ensure that suppliers and clients could kind of work together and move things forward rather than this kind of you I remember you sort of saying I hate being segregated in a different group because I'm a client and I'm not a supplier how can we change things and I was already beginning to think about risk management and that sort of stuff and we had this incredible conversation and then we just didn't speak for years again um and then we've started doing stuff together now which is amazing so it's such a uh, cow is part of the bsi and the iso groups and developing the standards forward but today we're going to talk about her passions in this space and get you guys to know who she is a little bit more um so cow welcome Hi, thank you for inviting me. And I'm really looking forward to doing this because, as you say, we've known each other for a very long time. So you're on my list as a friend, not just a work colleague. Um, and, you know, we've spent more time together and uh, been you've been very supportive. So thank you. Oh, darling. We're even on Facebook as friends, aren't we? So we've actually <laughs> crossed the line from LinkedIn. I love it. Yeah. Um, it's true. It's true. Thank you. Um, well, look, let's let's hand over to you because these podcasts are really about my guests and not about me, even though I do love to talk, as we know. So let's stop me. Um, Carol, please tell the world who you are and what you do. Okay, so I am. I love the way that you kind of refer to me as Carol herself. Yes, I do work for Fidelity as the global travel manager, but I like to think that people see me now as a lot more than just that. Um, you know, uh, um, some people have actually referred to me in some instances as a one-trip pony. Um, And when they talk about that, they talk about my DEI aspirations. When I first started in travel and even when I was working in my previous role, I used to say to people that, you know, if if I was a stick of rock and you cut me in half, you would see travel, 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 travel all the way through. Now, if I was a stick of rock, you would see DEI and B belonging um, all the way through. 
And that's why I say it's quite nice to be able to be seen as Carol Fergus, the person, as opposed to Carol Fergus only as the travel manager, even though my passion for travel is still there and I engage in a number of things. So I think I'm far from being a one trip pony in terms of what I bring to the industry and what I can offer. Um, I think for me, um, you know, when we had our conversation all those years back, my discussions was more around working with my suppliers, um, working in partnership. We use that word quite a lot. And when I hear people say about partnership, I often think like I think about DEI. Well, what does that actually mean to you? What does partnership mean? What does DEI mean? And for me, it means people. And it doesn't matter whether, you know, who you are, where you are, where you come from. I look at people using my stoplights, stop, think, listen and educate. And, you know, if you're coming to me with love, then I will give you love back. And I think that's where we need to start. So when I talk about segregating suppliers and, and buyers, we cannot work in partnership if we're not in the same room same seat, same platform, have a say. That's kind of one of the messages that I always give. You know, your buyer, your suppliers can't read your mind. And as a supplier, you know, my expectations from my suppliers is the reason you're with me is so that you're giving me that added value. And that added value for me is you're, you're my ears and eyes out there. You work with lots of clients, you're in various environments you're much much closer in some cases to the industry and what's changing and it's really important that you bring that to the table but me as a buyer it's really important that I tell you about my program what my ambitions are what the agenda is what the company is expecting from me so that you can align your culture what you've learned how you work with your suppliers and give me uh, what I need to have what I always call a best in class program. So in terms of who I am as a person, I think that I am um, very open-minded. I feel that I embrace everything that's new. I don't shut the door. My first answer is never no. I always say, okay, let's have a look at this and see how we can work together and bring that into my world and make it comfortable for both of us. And then it's a win-win. So that's who Carol Fergus is when it comes to my role and what I do. I'm both global travel manager, looking after various areas. I've now been given events, which I'm a massive learning curve for me because I'm not an events expert. And then my, um, I sit on the chair, I am the chair for GBTA, um, looking after the diversity, equity and inclusion committee. And I support in a number of other areas, as you know, Bex. Carol, thank you. I mean, heart and soul, this is, I love the way if we cut you in half, this is what we'd find. I think we'd find a whole lot more than that, but I understand that this is your core and this is what you brought to the table. And honestly, I don't think anybody was talking about this in the same way as you were as you started bringing this to the table and thinking about it. And I know there's some other great people out there now who are also talking about this and doing great things. So that's not to put anybody else down in any way, but I just think you've always been true to yourself. And I think one of the great things about working with you as a supplier back then was your willingness to listen, your willingness to say, actually, I haven't just got a tick box approach to this. There are other things going on. And I think that's how you've been able to develop your program and, and actually have a program that you can talk about with an understanding that you know what it is, uh, which a lot of companies can't can't do, if that makes sense, especially not when we start moving into this real sort of travel risk management phase. 
it's quite easy to talk about maybe air volumes and top destinations, but we're talking about something very different here. We're talking about your people and how we look after them and, and an ownership of a program is, is before you could even start looking at that. So thank you, Carol, and thank you for sharing that with us. And yes, you've always been Carol to me. I had to actually rethink back earlier and I was like, which company was she working for when I met her? <laughs> uh, but it, it did come to me, so they, you, you've always been Carol. Not sure where to start with implementing a standard such as ISO 31030? A gap analysis exercise from Ascent Risk Management is the best place to start. Our expert consultants will take you step by step through your chosen standard and highlight any weak areas. This can be conducted remotely and the results of the gap analysis can form the plan for your targeted project. Contact Ascent today at www.ascent1, which is A-S-S-E-N-T-1.com and booking your gap analysis today. So let's talk a little bit more about your why. We've just talked about, you know, you being cut in half and DEI is there. It's about people, isn't it? So let's let's talk about, I was fortunate enough to have you on, I've been on loads of panels with you now, but we did a really good panel a couple of years ago where you talked about some of your own personal experiences when you've travelled, because obviously you have. Um, but let's talk about what drives you in this space, Carol. I think what really drives me is, you know, I've I've kind of felt I feel like I've gone full circle in terms of my role and what I see. And, you know, especially if we lean to the DEI piece, you know, I I kind of went through this this world of um, travel world where I was in and out on panels, going to events, etc. And then about three years ago, everything turned around and everyone was having the discussion around DEI. And that's the time that, you know, I raised my head and said, OK, so what does that actually mean for me and how has um you know being the person that i am um impacted where i sit today and am i seeing differences have i been blinkered to what's happening around me because i almost felt like people are people and unless they show me different i'm very accepting and it wasn't until i started actually peeling back the layers and really looking at what was happening around me that i suddenly thought yeah there is massive differences and there are things that we should be doing more so in terms of shouting out and calling out when things are not right as travel, we're offering a service and we offer that service for to people from all walks of life. Some people want a, a luxurious journey. Some people are middle of the road. Some people are, you know, cheap is good. Cheap and cheerful is good. But it doesn't matter how much money you choose to spend, how rich you are, how poor you are. At the end of the day, it's about you as an individual. And I always say, you know, my mum always said to me, um, you know, when you go somewhere, always make sure that you are presentable because you never know what is going to happen that day to make you suddenly think, I wish I'd worn that dress. I wish I'd, you know, worn that that skirt. I wish I'd put some lipstick on. I wish I'd combed my hair. And it's funny because I started having this conversation with you, Bex, this morning saying, oh, my God, I haven't really made the effort for this podcast. OK, so it's really funny that I'm talking about this. But the point I'm making is you always need to be prepared. And what I mean by that is when you look at somebody, you need to be prepared for who that person is and it be accepting of that person. And, you know, you, you treat, um, you know, you treat that person with the courtesy and the respect that you would hope that they would treat you with. 
And I think when we talk about risk and we talk about travel within risk, it's not just about, you know, am I, is someone going to attack me? Is there going to be a terrorist attack, et cetera, et cetera. It's about giving that respect to that individual and risk comes in all shapes and forms. So if you're disrespectful to me, I see that as a risk because that's intimidating. I feel very anxious. I'm not sure what the next steps are going to be. If you, if you are not giving me the right information in order for me to do my journey seamlessly, that is also a risk because again, it brings anxiety. I'm not sure that I'm going to the right place, to the right point. point. By, not you, by you not giving me that information, there's delays. I could get in danger myself by being in the wrong place instead of the right place. So all those things that we consider as risk, we don't think about the people risk and how that affects us mentally, how that affects us physically. You know, if every time we went on a trip and we took that journey and it was fraught with um, bumps in the road every step of the way, for that individually, the anxiety that they feel having to go through that journey, both mentally and physically, can have a longer term effect on them as an individual. So, you know, when we think about risk, don't just think about terrorist attacks, you know, um, being take you know taken all that stuff think about the whole journey and the impact there's lots of discussions around neurodiversity why are we having those discussions we're having those discussions because the way we behave and the things that we do impacts us all both mentally now and physically and people are taking that on board one of the things that covid has brought to, to light is the fact that people's lives have changed in, di in the way they want to work, where they want to work, how often they want to travel, the sort of travel they want to do. Do they want to stay longer? Do they want to, to travel less? But in traveling and having made that decision, and for some people, that brings in anxiety in itself. Oh my God, I'm going on a trip. I'm going so far. I recently went to Asia and people automatically think that because I'm a travel manager, I'm a seasoned travel traveler. I'm not. And a lot of the travel that I've done, you know, I'll go with a, a friend or my partner or whatever. I had to do this trip by myself going to, and I did, I covered Hong Kong, Sydney, Singapore. I remember being at home and absolutely winding myself up about this trip and whether or not I was even going to get back in one piece. And the reason why I did that was because I thought I'm going away for a really long period of time on my own with no family, no friends, no partners. It's just me navigating the whole travel ecosystem, the complexities of travel. Do I need a visa? Do I need to have a COVID test? You know, do I need, you know, all the different things were going through my mind. And also I have what's known as a um, invisible illness. So physically you look at me and everyone thinks I'm fine, but I have high blood pressure and uh, sugar diabetes. So you're getting on a plane, you're doing very long periods on the plane. So I have to think, make sure I've got all my tablets. I have to think about the different times, the time zones, and the fact that, oh my God, so in London, I take my tablets at this time, but when I get to Hong Kong, it's gonna be a completely different time. And am I gonna overdose myself because I'm taking it thinking it's the right time and it's wrong? All those things were going through my mind. That's before I've even got to the airport. <laughs> that's before I've even, so that's why it's so important that you know, you look at me and you'll think, oh, she's a strong woman, she's fine, blah, blah, blah. And then I get there and they say, well, where's your COVID test? 
and I've looked on the system and there's no way that it says I need to have that. So then I, that's my first blip. So then I have to go into a little room and they do the test and someone's saying, please watch your trolley because there's someone might steal it, et cetera, et cetera. Then I get to Singapore and all of a sudden you have to do the, um, you have to do the visa, the immigration form, but it has to be done online. And guess what? No one's told me that has to happen. So I look on my phone, I've got no charge on my phone and it has to be done online. So I have to go and find somewhere that I can charge my phone, take my laptop out of my bag, take look after my trolley of good of cases and stuff that I've got with me, I have my hand luggage, do the 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 thing on, on the, online, which took like 15 minutes. I then have to wait like 15, 20 minutes for it to actually uh, register and say you've been approved. In the meantime, I have to get at least 20% on my phone in order for me to be able to show them when I get to immigrations. Now, lucky enough for me, I had a colleague at that stage of my journey. If I hadn't, I would have sat on the floor and cried. So I'm just thinking about, you know, when we talk about risk, risk is not just about the fact that it's a terrorist attack. You're going to a country where you've been advised you have to be careful. It's all the stuff that may happen to that individual as they go or go on that journey. And they're the things as a buyer we should be considering. So when we put our 10 steps together, uh, our 10 steps back to travel at the beginning, when we talked about, you know, those 10 steps and the things you need to consider, it's all those little things that make a massive difference to people's lives. And that's why I say, really look about look about your look think about your travel having had that experience it's made me see the travel world in a completely different light and it's not just about oh i've got to the airport i get my ticket i go to the lounge or i sit outside the lounge i might get something to eat and then i get on the plane those days are over and you need to be very much aware of that and i think it would be remiss of me as a global travel manager not to share those experiences, that's one, and also impress upon our suppliers that they need to be thinking about not just, you know, we've done this, we've ticked the box, but the people that are coming into you and the decisions you make, how that will impact them. And you need to take that journey yourself. So another example is in a hotel. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of thinking in terms of we have an event and we've made we've we've decided that we're going to use this particular event space something happens and changes are made please go back and look at the people that you've invited to that event don't assume by moving that event that it will be acceptable to all example of that you may have a disabled person with a wheelchair if you have an event and you've put it it was in this space easily accessible with the wheelchair, and then you move them to another level where it is not wheelchair accessible, it's gonna make it not only embarrassing and, and that person feel anxious, but in some instances, they may not even be able to attend. So I think it's a constant, this is not a one-off consideration. This is a constant consideration. Always think about your optics. How do I look? What is the impact of my decision? How will those individuals feel by the way I behave and the way that I treat them? When you go to the airport and, you know, there's some of my colleagues where, you know, they, they will have a business class ticket or even a first class ticket. 
and they will i've actually had someone at the airport say to me oh actually you need to go to that queue and i go oh why is that then because this is my ticket and they go oh okay they've made the assumption that because i am and i think those of you who know me i'm not going to turn up in in you know look in a mess <laughs> you know i'm quite presentable individual and I kind of look like I could be going in business class or even first class. I'd like to kid myself. However, no, don't definitely. I'm going to interrupt you. Definitely. There's no question. <laughs> carry on. But do not make those assumptions that, mm. you know, I couldn't possibly be going through speedy boarding or whatever, you know. That has happened and it's not just happened to myself, but it's happened to other colleagues of mine. It's really important that we don't make those assumptions and we have the same rules for everyone and it applies. Do not judge a book by its cover, because even if I look a mess, I might be the richest mess on the world in the world. I know some people that are so rich, but if you look at them, you wouldn't think they'd have two pennies to rub together. Do not make those assumptions about any individual. People are people, we started by saying, we are all the same, we are all one. If you was to cut me, I would bleed and you would bleed and our blood would be exactly the same, you know? And I just think it's really important that we remember that and we treat people exactly the same. Don't make assumptions. I've been in meetings with suppliers as well where there have been other people in the meeting and this happened to me recently and I was very disappointed that I felt at this day and age, this is still happening. And in that meeting, there was the supplier and three other people. The supplier, I, I, I have to, I will give them the credit of thinking that they didn't realise that I was the global travel manager. Not that that should make any difference. But even, first of all, they gave me their back. They sat with their back to me. And even when I asked the question, they responded to the other people that was in the group. Now, that is so disrespectful, and it made me feel very low about myself, although it was there bad. I came out feeling extremely low about myself, and I felt, and the sadness in me was, it doesn't even matter. I have no idea why this individual felt that they needed to behave in that manner, but, you know, it made me sad that for whatever their reason was, their own unconscious bias took over and that shouldn't be happening. And if we start looking at each other as people, that wouldn't happen because I always say my strap line is all, all are welcome and all should be welcome. So in terms of risk, you know, this is a really, you know, this is a really important subject. Risk comes in very different forms, as I said. DEI is very close to my heart and that is the why. And the why is because I feel, even if we talk about sustainability, if we talk about um, uh, technology, if we talk about vendor management, if we talk about negotiations, contract, whatever you have to deal with in your life, you're only as good as the people that you're working with. And it's those people that's gonna let you down or you will let yourself down if we don't start looking at each other as we're working together, we're colleagues, we're all in the same boat, we're all in it together, let's do that. You know, the best food that you can get in a melting pot is the different flavours. You will never get a good tasting food if you just make it with water. 
It's all the different flavors that you put in, all the different seasoning that you put in that makes that pot amazing. So why are we not treating each other as different types of seasoning? I love that, Carol. I don't even know where to come back on with some of that stuff. I'm just listening, going, I must bring her up on that. I must talk about that. You just covered so much off. I love the fact that we need, and that we're all seasonings and we all need to put together. I think something I just want to pick up on is, I think there's it's this idea of, of not putting ourselves in other people's positions, right? And just, just making this big assumption that either everyone else has got this, someone else has thought about this, or ultimately we're all the same. But we're not all the, but we're not all the same. It's strange because some of the things you've just been talking about there are obviously not just offensive, but but just just so upsetting to you as an individual and everyone else who's experiencing that. But I think we try and we kind of put ourselves in these groups with each other, and then we but then we don't think how another group is being treated. And I and I, I'll talk about this from a travel perspective. So, you know, if you're a company who I don't know, you're primarily a UK company, which means you're going to be potentially a multicultural company, one would think about. The policies that you write are probably, regarding travel, are probably written from a white man's travelling perspective. Not considering women, not considering people of of other race or colour or gender or sexual orientation or anything. So all the policies are, well... I've never that's never happened to me I've never even considered that and you're not putting yourself in the position of any of those other people who could have an issue going through an airport because of the color of their skin in front of all of their you know white colleagues for example if you're not preparing somebody for that the humiliation and embarrassment around that is is horrendous isn't it and we've had lots of conversations around this in the past what about you know, that this old old school mentality of, you know, drinking every time we go out, you're on a corporate trip. That's not safe for vulnerable people, whether that's mental health or whether that's women or other vulnerable travel tra- travellers then putting themselves in a situation that they're not safe with. We're just not thinking about it like this. And I just, I just love the fact that you just rip all of that up and say, what does this mean to me? And what does it mean to my people? And that's what I see if I would cut through you. <laughs> This massive love heart with people and 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 I think that's what brings your program to life and thank you so much Carol for sharing that with us need help implementing a standard or maintaining a management system ascent risk management can support you throughout any stage of your project the expert team delivers impartial consultancy and auditing services across multiple disciplines including information security cyber security environmental sustainability health and safety quality management and business improvement more than just box ticking their team works in collaboration with yours to build up bespoke management systems that return real business benefits Find Ascent online at www.ascent1, which is A-S-S-E-N-T-1.com. Let's just very quickly move on to, if we could just sort of talk to those people who are perhaps wanting to get into this space. I talk a lot about DEI, sustainability, people risk management, travel risk management. It's all part of the same conversation for me. It's all about keeping everyone safe. So, So from your side, in wanting to look into this, what are your top golden nuggets or golden nugget for how they would begin, Carol? 
So I'll tell you one of the things that I, you know, was a, a light bulb moment for me as well. And I'm sure that lots of buyers already do this. Um, when I went um, to Asia, and the reason I'm talking about Asia is because it's current. It's something that's happened recently, and it's been a real eye-opener for me. I had meetings with some of the project managers in Singapore. They asked to, to meet with me. And, you know, I, I actually thought it was just going to be telling me how uh, bad and ugly my program was because, you know, with all the service issues, et cetera, et cetera, that we've been having around passport visas, it's more about complex complexity and education. And I thought, okay, fine, I can take that on board. But what was really enlightening was they told me how my policy impacts them as travellers. And that is where that's that. And it was so lovely and refreshing because I didn't see that as them throwing stones at me. I saw it as you're telling me how I can support you better, not only in terms of our policy and talking to our leadership team and saying, you know, this is the impact it has on the guys when they travel. But um, and when I say guys, I mean guys and girls. Um, <laughs> but also um, it, it told me the conversations I need to have with my suppliers as well. So it gave me both an internal and external view. So one of the things I would say is not just talk to your travel bookers because their agenda is completely different. They're about the process. How hard is it for me to make the booking? The travelers are about the impact you're having on me in terms of your policy, the suppliers you use, the hotels you use. You also get a real insight in terms of their thinking around DEI, their thinking around sustainability. So what's important to them and what the expectations are of them when they travel? Because at the end of the day, we're doing it for them, okay? A lot of people, I've heard a lot of buyers say that without your travel bookers, you're nothing. Um, and to a certain extent, that is true because they are your gatekeepers. They're your champions that speak to the travelers, et cetera, et cetera. But you also have to remember that there are agendas. And some of the time that agenda is based on what suits me, what's going to work for me. So the other message I would say is open your net and talk to everybody at every level. Um, have those conversations find out how you're feeling, what you're thinking, what are we doing good, what are we doing bad, what are we, what's ugly, you know, how can we make those improvements? I'm not saying that we can deliver on all of them because that's not life. But what we can do is to really take a look at, you know, our operations. So, you know, I, I'd like to think that I've got quite a good program, you know, I've got a good team, it's very strong, etc. But, you know, having that conversation really enlightened me and what it, I came back feeling like, I'd need to do what I'd like to do is a traveler's journey in the same um, way that I did my 10 steps back to travel after COVID. I now want to do something. I'm not going to know what I'm going to call it, but it is kind of the day in the life of or something where I can, you know, really give them some really good, tangible stuff that to consider and also knowledge. So, for example, it was really lovely to find that even though I had that long trip uh, walk, um, from from landing to uh, picking up my case and then going out to get a taxi, that there was this man there that was like a supplier that was like, would you like a taxi? Where are you going? It was all organized. I could use my card. That's the information that you could give to a woman in particular takes all the anxiety. I know what's going to happen when I get to the other end. I know what I need to do when I get to Hong Kong. I'm, you know, I know that I need to have some cash because they only take cash 
all those things I learned by doing that trip myself, make sure you've got charge on your phone, all those like hints and tips, don't wear high heel shoes, you know, that, that kind of stuff that people don't think about those things anymore, but that's what you need to do. And that's what risk is all about. On the risk side, we get the big high level information from international SOS. You're going to this country, it's a tier one, this is what it means. Everyone's used to that. No one's used to the soft risks. No one's used to hearing those things and giving them advice. And I think that if we start doing that, it will take so much of that anxiety and pressure that we feel whilst traveling. And it's not just a female thing. I think it's across the board, especially, um, you know, the fact that people hadn't traveled for such a long time and they're going into a world. I think it's just giving some really good hints and tips and think about, you know, the anxiety factor you know, taking the, the the grunt out of what they need to do, keeping people informed, having those key links that they can um, click onto very quickly without actually having to go into your whole T&E policy. So that would be my biggest message. Talk to everybody and don't make any assumptions that what you're doing is the right thing. Hear it firsthand and then look at what you're doing and say, how can I make that better for my traveller? Carol. You just nailed it. I mean, there's nothing I can add, is there, that can give that any additional value? I mean, I can, and I mean that with absolute respect. Thank you. Uh, communication, listening, getting feedback. It's very easy to think when there's standards involved, it's just all about policy. The truth is just putting a policy out there is not enough. You've got to then have, you've got to converse, you've got to talk to people, you've got to make sure they understand it. And actually, if you ever find yourself in court with any of this stuff, that is going to be the proof in the pudding that you've done what you said you did. You didn't just put a system in that you've actually had these conversations. And I remember talking like this to corporates years ago, way before COVID, going, you know, you need to almost kind of get to a level where you know every single traveller and you know what they're yep. doing and why they're doing it. And and this look of fear on people's faces because it's so much to control. But actually, that's the minimum you need to be doing. Because how can you create a programme if you don't know what it is? Absolutely. So look, everyone, thank you. Carol, I knew this was going to be super and it's been absolutely incredible. I knew that you would share some stuff with us that other people haven't talked about, but also to really widen this conversation into people risk management. Carol, thank you. Um, you have been listening to Talking TRM, an episode with Carol Fergus, the Carol Fergus, who just happens to work for Fidelity as well. But there's a lot more going on for her, as we've heard. Um, my name is Travel Respects. I can't wait to be with, with you again for another episode in a couple of weeks. Until then, everyone, stay safe. Take care. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Talking TRM is in association with the Scent Risk Management. If you enjoyed listening to today's podcast, please subscribe and make sure to leave a review. If you need any help with implementing an ISO standard, such as ISO 31 or 30, or if you have any questions regarding ISO, please reach out to a Scent Risk Management to talk to our expert consultants today. We can be found at www.ascent1.com. We're also on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram, and links can be found in the show description. This podcast is a Clemark Studio production and was produced by Jessica Ingalls.